Hey there, demons. It's us, the girls. Welcome to the Office Goblin Podcast. I'm S. And I'm D. And we are goblins, two goblins on the internet that have many thoughts, interests, and opinions about stuff and things. Today, do you like to listen to house music every weekend? Just kidding. That's not what it's about today. <laughs> We're going to get into womanly stuff and things. So just a disclaimer before we begin. Um, this episode is for folks with female reproductive organs. If this is a topic that makes you uncomfortable and or this is something you're just not interested in learning more about and or it's something that is just hashtag not relatable. We'll see your beautiful face next week. For those of you who want to learn about that or, you know, can commiserate with two <laughs> goblins who have those pieces and parts, th- welcome. Yeah, yeah, welcome. And welcome back. How about that? <laughs> yeah, we decided to um, to really dive into it and talk about things that are either seen as not taboo, but just like not dinner table talk, you know, the the gross and the gritty, but the very real absolute bullshit that is living with <laughs> with a vagina and a uterus and all the other pieces that go with it. Yeah, and I was going to say a deep dive into the ovaries. <laughs> <laughs> Stay out of my ovaries. <laughs> Actually, no, please don't. Please don't go there. You know, I was there's a a podcast that posts like snippets on Instagram and and Facebook and whatever. And it's two guys and they're they're funny, but one of them said something about this woman when she had a hysterectomy, she had her um fallopian tubes made into a necklace to wear, which okay, sis, that's fine. Is but, that for real? Yeah, and the one guy though asked the other, "Do you know what the fallopian tubes are?" And he just went, "Yeah. They're you know, inside the body. <laughs> yeah, they could be anywhere. <laughs> I was like, oh, you precious, precious bean. But you know what is so rich about that statement, about what you just said and what that man just said? Mm. Is that these are the same people that, at least in the United States, are making laws about your body, about my body, about so many people's bodies. And they don't know that certain parts exist. And if they do know about a part, they don't know where it is, what it does. Yeah. I Like, remember the whole thing about the clitoris being the devil's bell? (laughs) And they think that the penis pokes the clitoris, that that's what it goes into? The number of people that assume that pee comes out of a vagina, it's like, no, it's a urethra. There are two different holes, my friend. Two different And if you think you can fit any si- anything inside that urethra, I'm gonna choke slam you into the ground. <sighs> Dear God. Yeah. I'm God, for real. <laughs> so stay out of my tubes. <laughs> stay out of my tubes. Stay out of my eggs. I don't want them anyways, but... <laughs> <laughs> you know what? So there's places online that you can donate your eggs, you know, for people that their eggs don't work or to help with surrogates, whatever, mm-hmm. implantation, which is great. Science is great. <laughs> but I – so I filled out one of those questionnaires, right, just to see. Sure, sure. Because I'm on anti-anxiety medication, I am disqualified. They said those eggs are all anxious. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> I'm like, 
like, you have a mental illness. You can't. I'm like, are you? Crackheads have babies. Really? You think a little anxiety isn't going to make that child fun? <laughs> Girl, it's like men who have sex with other men being disqualified from donating blood. And I'm like, you know what people who have hetero sex do? They're knocking on the back door, too. Tapping right? into that chocolate starfish. Thank you. There- <laughs> I, but right? Am I right? <laughs> Tell me that I'm wrong. <laughs> Chocolate starfish is what I wasn't prepared for. It's that kind of episode. Uh, apparently, I'm, I'm here for it. But yeah, Brazen. it's just uh, people, there are, everyone has children. Everyone has children. And, you know, sometimes would they be the right or best choice? Probably not. Mm-mm. So it's just weird to me that, you know, if you are a few pounds overweight, because that was another thing too. I was too overweight for it. What? Or, or if you have, you know, a, a dash, a sprinkle of a mental illness, like every goddamn person has basically at this point. Yes. Then you can't donate. I mean, they're, I don't want them. Is it like a mental illness that has to be clinically diagnosed and taking medication? Or is it just the medication piece? I have no idea, really. Right, because you know how in one episode we talked about depression kind of being the quote-unquote common cold of mental illness? Yeah. Everyone has something, and if you think you have nothing, you're probably the first person that should get in line to talk to a professional. (laughs) The people that say, I don't need therapy, are the ones that need therapy the most. Oh my gosh, if you tell, tell someone, I know a place... And then give them the referral information to a psychiatrist. Or better yet, just drop them off at the door and say your appointment's at one. I'll see you later. I'll see you never. (laughs) Yeah, call me in like 10 years when you've got it together. (laughs) But yeah, there's there's a lot going on with women's reproductive issues and pieces. You know what really frustrates me? Mm -hmm. Is this whole fight about how you can't teach reproduction in high schools or middle schools or elementary schools. And it took until I was in grad school to even start to learn all the words for my reproductive parts. I had that lesson. Okay. So we're going to take a trip through time in Young S's life. So in fifth grade, my class went to a health museum. I don't know the formal name. It was just known as the health museum. And like that, you know, that was just the common thing. Okay. Boys were put into one area, us girls in another, and we they had girls line up, right, mm-hmm. side by side, gave someone a red dodgeball and was like, okay, pass it along. And we did that a few times. That is how your period works. What? Here's a mini travel size deodorant. Good luck out there. Fast what does for- that mean? I still have a lot of questions, and it's been years. <laughs> Fast forward to freshman year of high school. That was the section in which we learn about male and female reproductive organs. You know, you have to learn to label every little nitty gritty bit of the anatomy. And then you watch a birth video, which is fine. You know, it's this cute little couple of a man who says, sometimes I like to make whale noises on my wife's stomach. (laughs) And then fully going up and being like, (laughs) which i'm like okay cool and but you know that was it that was the kind of the end of the conversation okay and 
it wasn't until I was in education that at least in the district and state that I work in, they had come up with the plan of starting in, I believe it was kindergarten, not from pre-kinder, but kindergarten about Mm -hmm. sexual education and, you know, using the terms and what that means and like bodily autonomy and stuff. Right. And I, I do think, you know, while kids spend so much time outside of the home, it's mm-hmm. important to at least have some exposure outside of the home. But I think a good chunk of that conversation really should come from within the home. You know, like parents should feel comfortable enough talking to their kids about these things and answering the questions, because wouldn't you rather that your kids are open with you and honest with you rather than keeping things from you. And that if goodness forbid something bad were to happen, that they know you're not a place of judgment, that you're instead receptive to what they have to say and will help them without that judgment. Yeah, I can agree with that. The problem, the problem comes though from parents not being okay with it. Or you'll mm-hmm. have parents that are uneducated themselves and don't know true, true. the correct words or terminology. I do believe that kindergartners should be able to say penis or vagina because absolutely, if you know a family member or a friend or a stranger touches them inappropriately, they should say or be able to say this is where they touched me or what have you. Because yeah. when you when you give body parts cute nicknames that you know, other adults don't realize are the names for those parts. Oh, like Cookie, if you call your, yeah. It's like some older person touched my cookie, then that other person's going to be like, well, then like get another snack. It's not, oh, fuck. Like that's the reaction you should be having. Yeah. So that's, every time I have people push back against teaching sex ed Mm -hmm. to younger children, I'm like, it's education. We're not teaching them how to 69, okay? We're teaching them right. the words to say. And I feel like it's good to have that happen in an educational system as well, where there's no bias and there's no judgment. Or at least there shouldn't be. Right. There shouldn't yeah. be. The South be gone. But <laughs> there shouldn't be any judgment <laughs> And it should be neutral, and you should be able to talk about all different kinds and all different forms and what have you, you know, because you you should know your own body. First and foremost, know thyself. Exactly. And then know how to say yes or no and know how to figure out what's okay. Right, right. It all starts with you because you have a right at any time, and we talked about this in the past, to say no you do not owe anyone anything. Mm-hmm. Oh, can I also tell you, I forgot the 7th and 8th grade lecture we had on health where they called it the bathing suit area. This was to a bunch of 7th, 8th graders. Bathing suit area. Oh. And my friend in grad school, he went to, um, I forget if it was a nurse or doctor he was talking to, but either way, it's terrible. And they couldn't say penis or vagina. Why? Like legally, or they just no? They were just it? uncomfortable. What the? Don't be a goddamn doctor if you can't say all of the words of a human body. Yeah, and you know what? I was asking my friend, um, who is a doctor, and was like, 
if I went to, let's say, a gynecologist and was mm-hmm. and instead of calling it my vagina, I called it my puss puss. <laughs> what what does the medical professional do and she's like well oftentimes they will echo back that same statement okay (laughs) which i think is fun but um (laughs) don't don't go testing it out (laughs) like call if it's a vagina call it a vagina if it's a penis call it a penis but (laughs) yeah no it's to keep it back in our original uh idea of what we want to talk about yeah the wheelhouse (laughs) just you've gotta you gotta know what makes you you and then that's often physical and emotional and whatever other level you want yeah yeah what feels good for you what makes you comfortable and feel your best self because you've got it going on ow (laughs) (laughs) but yeah i think that there's there's just a lot of sexualization in america about everything and anything let's start with boobs let's talk about boobs (laughs) being the, all the guys that are like well if boobs aren't here for pleasure what are they there for to fucking feed babies yeah unlike you men with your useless ass nipples listen that is that is proof that everyone starts out as a, a female, female fetus yeah yes so cool the womb, everyone everybody starts out as female you know why because that's why men have nipples and women have clitoris because technically it's a penis little pee-pee it's a little pee-pee <laughs> it's I wish pee-pee. <laughs> i what if that was the clinical term like l-i-l pee-pee <laughs> little pee-pee gentlemen if you walk into your doctor's office and they go let's see that little pee-pee turn around and walk out <laughs> leave run yeah. and also ask to see their license before you get out the door <laughs> Take a picture and then report that to the police. <laughs> yes, immediately. <laughs> but <laughs> I oh, so many changes we would make. Oh man, yeah, it's with the just... WHO and stuff. <laughs> bodies are bodies. Bodies do not have to be anything other than bodies, and it's yeah. weird to me that it's not. That's not the standard in America. Right, and the fact that it, uh, let's say, a nude form is Mm. so inherently sexual, like, that's the immediate response is very troubling in general. Yeah. And I guess kind of sets the tone for why certain attitudes and laws exist as they do and in certain parts of the U.S., you know, when you take Mm. a temperature of the room. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's... It's one of those where I always get really frustrated when people comment on young children and how they're dressed or how they're not dressed. Disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. You would be thrown out of my house immediately and I would call the cops. Right? I don't get why individuals say, oh, she's dressed very scantily clad for a nine-year-old. She's nine! Or babies. They're talking about, like, toddlers and babies like this. Right? Why? First of all, they probably didn't choose that outfit. Their parents did. So if you're going to be mad at anyone in the first place, it's the parents. Second mm-hmm. of all, it's a child. Why are you sexualizing them? Like, well, they're dressed that way. So what? It's cloth on a body. It is absolutely nuts. Or like in some parts of the world, even like culturally growing up, you had little kids, boys and girls, not in a full swimsuit. Like they could just be in underwear let's say, mm-hmm. at the beach or at a pool. And that w- and even up till this day, no one 
cares, right? Because it's a small child who who gives a shit. Right. But I've never seen that done in the US because immediately met with that sentiment that you just said. It's wild to me. And especially when you know little kids and you know how much they love to be naked because fuck clothes. Totally oppressive and demoralizing. (laughs) I mean, I totally carry the state of the sentiment there, but (laughs) (laughs) I'm so if I see a child clothed, I wonder if they're okay sometimes. Like, isn't your like natural response to get undressed? And like that but that doesn't faze me if I see a naked child run around and as long Mm -hmm. as I see their parents nearby, I'm like, okay, it's a kid. Yeah. Yeah. I just I don't care. You would think but the fact that it starts so early, mm-hmm. just stop. 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 Get some help. Thank you, Michael Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. But no, so so we wanted to talk focusing on women's bodies or at least female reproductive organs, right? Yeah, it only took us 20 minutes <laughs> to get here (laughs) listen we had a really good psa to get off our chest we're going to circle back around now it's all good (laughs) it's like a short film (laughs) psa (laughs) people who are still listening when the fuck are they going to get onto the episode (laughs) yeah they've it we've it's it's inception it's already an episode within an episode revisiting three other episodes yeah so this this all kind of started from from what, what what really brought us into wanting to have this conversation? I had oh. additions, but you had the initial thought, right? Well, no, because I was like, <laughs> <laughs> back in grad school, D and I, our cycles, our menstrual cycles were connected, like yes. synced at the same time, and now we take shits at the same time. <laughs> that's what that's what started it. So I hopped, I hopped on the call, and I said, "S, I can't believe it." I just had to go to the bathroom. My husband calls. I'm in the middle of a shit. I tell him I'll, I'm hanging up. I'll call him back. And then S goes, I was taking a shit too. <laughs> I think that's beautiful. That's, you know, that's sisterhood to the highest degree. <laughs> True friendship is you have barely any photos together and you shit together. <laughs> Transcontinental. Love it. <laughs> Oh my god listen there are people out there that hear that and they want that in their life i know it that's true that's fair i'll yeah. i'll never take for granted i have someone to poop with yeah oh and did you know that you can be a poop donor because we were talking about the egg and blood don- donation you can also be a poop donor i'm i'm sorry for what so some people who have like really poor bowel movements and just their digestive tracts don't work oh. how they're supposed to. So if you have good bacteria, whatever that is that exists within the stool and gotcha. within the lining of your intestines, your poop mm-hmm. is tested. And again, if you're on medication or stuff like that, I'm, I think that would be a disqualifier, which is, again, so unfortunate. Because what if your shits are just liquid gold or <laughs> solid gold? Yeah, solid gold. Um, But, you know, you're taking some form of medication but yeah poop donation that's a real thing okay yeah no i i think i'm familiar with that because of ibs right individuals with ibs can have that treatment done i think you know what i'm not sure of the 
of who is a good recipient of that. But it, <laughs> I mean, it, it sounds like it would be a good fit for people with IBS or like Crohn's or something. Oh, my God. <laughs> but I'm sorry, birth control. <laughs> also, this, this initially started with our cycle sinking. And I made the comment then to S that I have recently gotten off my birth control. I had been on the pill form of birth control since 16 years old. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I'm i turning 30 next, like in the next six months or so. So I'm, I'm 29 and a half, but. And a half. And a half. And I, I'm finally getting off birth control and it's. It's like re-meeting my body for the first time in over a decade. Can you tell the listeners more about how you first noticed that shift? What has been a real positive thing that has also come across it, this kind of re-meeting of your body? So, and here's here's where our, our gritty bit comes in. So I knew, I, I, I knew I was going to experience changes because I Googled it, right? Mm-hmm. Like any fine educated woman i googled it (laughs) and so the first thing i noticed was that i smell different now Mm -hmm. like my vagina smells different what comes out of it smells a little different anyone who's listening to this knows what i mean and like everything just seems to be the same but slightly off like how we were talking before how individuals who get off of their birth control sometimes their partners then smell different yeah and It either makes or breaks it. And to me, it was kind of funny because my partner smells better to me now. (laughs) Which I'm going to take that as a good sign. Yeah, your stank is delicious. (laughs) I want to put my face in it. In those pheromones of yours, yes. But so so that was that was a big change. Um. Another big change is I could finally relate to women when they make jokes about how wet they can get. Yeah, Just that's real randomly, talk. Randomly throughout the day, especially when you're ovulating. That's when it's at its peak. Yeah. And the week after I'd stopped my pill is mm-hmm. when you're ovulating because it's like the week after your period. Mm-hmm. And I just remember standing up after sitting down for a while and I went, what the fuck is that? Yeah. And I I went to the restroom and it's like, oh, I think this is what they mean when they say that when you ovulate, you have more discharge. Yeah. I mean, that. think about it. Like, let's say certain medications like antidepressants, how they can decrease the libido or, you know, like, let's say uh, arousal response. Mm-hmm. So anything like that especially a pill which is already you know women's hormones are just so so varied yeah and then especially when it comes to stuff like that you just don't know what you're gonna get yeah it's it's weird and i do think like you said actually and i didn't bring this up earlier but i'll bring it up now my sex drive has gone up hey now and I don't know if it's strictly the pill. I don't know if it's that and just my mindset of feeling like I am I get to be myself now and I, I have a little bit more confidence in that. But mm-hmm. I'm not complaining. <laughs> I think that's a bonus. Absolutely. It's all bonuses that I'm hearing a so far. <gasps> oh, 
<laughs> Dabs. <laughs> I have to tell the audience because they can't see us. Yeah, and it's been a while. <laughs> I haven't been dabbing how I used to. We gotta, we gotta get you back into the dab sphere. <laughs> I the love you so sphere. much. I know, I love you too. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's very odd being i i explained it as the pill almost makes it clinical your cycle in a sense Mm -hmm. and in some aspects mm -hmm. that's really helpful because you know for those of us who struggle with our hormones Mm -hmm. it means you had a timeline your body Mm -hmm. stuck to that timeline Mm -hmm. i mean i had it almost down to the hour at one point that's impressive when I knew I was going to start my period. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it can help with cramps. It can help with acne. It can help with emotions to an extent. And, but it just, I don't know. The only way I can really describe it is I'm, I'm getting to meet myself again. I'm really happy for you because, you know, we know about just all the cons of birth control as freeing it as it can be because if you don't want kids you that doesn't even need to be a concern Mm -hmm. if you want to get your hormones regulated acne what have you the list goes on and on fantastic but it can make you feel like shit oh god the adjustment period the fact that you're introducing hormones into the body that weren't there initially so that's you know, the secondary interference Mm -hmm. as opposed, you know, in addition to the clinical aspect of it, that interference. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it's just a host of things that make it difficult to truly remember what that was like prior to taking her uh, birth control, however you take it, and the long-term effects of it. Because what is it, like, studies say that it's not good, <laughs> the consensus. Well, the, the fun part is that because only women take birth control, there are no long-term studies or on the effects of birth control, or the ones that do exist are few and far between. Which is nuts to me, because it's been around, what, since the 50s, 60s? Oh, yeah. Way, way early. Like, as soon as they put it out for women, they mm-hmm. should have been starting studies. Like, yeah. this is, you know, these are this is the first batch we're putting out. We're going to take the first hundred women who sign up mm-hmm. and we're going to follow them, like check in with them yeah. every year, then every five years and every 10 years, like a longitudinal consistently, study. Right. Yeah. From the fifties. Cause like what makes the pill has not changed. The ingredients have not changed. No, no. And think about, I mean, cultures, even like ancient Egyptians, it wasn't it that they almost drove a plant to extinction because they were using it for its secondary properties of birth control I, I mean over time over time all sorts of cultures from all over the world have been using different plants for that same purpose and then 50s 60s is when we had the first kind of hormonal birth control pill right and i mean it, it obviously the the pill is going to be more effective like that's yes. the whole selling point i totally mm-hmm. get that and you know if there are individuals who support a more natural version then that's great just make sure that you're using the correct herbs and spices in the correct (laughs) way because god knows there are some natural things out there that will drop a human very quickly 
they take back the human form into nature, if, if you want to say it that way. They'll kill yeah. you dead. So just... Oh, God. Oh, like that. I thought you were talking about, like, you will be, uh, the stork will come and uh, the child will be born from the cabbage plant and, you know, whatever. (laughs) I mean, that too, but there are, there are herbs that, um, women have used in the past that they've died from because of it. They've, they've overdosed on natural products, but, Mm -hmm. so it's, and I also want to be very clear that we're not demonizing birth control either. No. Like, it is... <laughs> I'm currently on it as we speak. <laughs> right. And like I said, I have been on it for years. And I'm I'm just getting off because I was having hormonal issues that you get, you know? You hit certain age milestones and it's like, okay, this isn't working anymore or mm-hmm. I just need to give my body a break. You know, that's kind of where I'm coming at. I was telling S, I have my pills still in my closet. Like, mm-hmm. if this doesn't work out in a couple of months and if my pain comes back and if I don't regulate again, I'll go back on it. But mm-hmm. there's something really freeing about being able to have that choice. Yeah. I would agree with that. Being able to say, you know, I think I'm going to go off birth control for a bit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I still don't want children. And mm-hmm. I remember when I told my gynecologist I want to go off birth control, and I told my doctor I was going off birth control, and they both said, well, you've made it pretty clear you don't want kids. Like, is everything going to be okay? And I was like, oh, yeah, no, my husband's got a vasectomy. We're good. <laughs> I I like that. You know what? you got to secure on both ends. <laughs> That's just it, especially in individuals with peni. This is this little segment's for you. If you're with someone who has hormonal tr- troubles and and mm-hmm. balance issues, who has endometriosis or who has a very strong urge to not have children, if you also have that urge to not have children, mm-hmm. what is stopping you? What is stopping you from a very minor procedure mm-hmm. that's reversible? Right. It's so much less intense than what women experience and honestly (laughs) it really takes two to tango i mean if if my partner and i were on the same page about that Mm -hmm. he would be the first one to get the suggestion of please get the snip (laughs) right i don't i like here's the thing gentlemen ladies everyone else when a woman gets an iud which is an interuterine device. It goes inside the cervix. Mm-hmm. Or past the cervix, I guess. I, again, I don't know exactly what it, Yeah, what. it's like how is there. Yeah. Yeah. So to do that, you have to open up the little bit inside that separates the uterus from the vagina. Mm-hmm. Which is basically a muscle clamp. Okay. To do that, the doctors put a speculum in to open you up and then take metal hooks and hook inside that muscle wall and pull it open. Some of you are thinking, oh my god, that sounds painful. What kind of anesthesia do they use? None. No. None. Hopes and whatsoever. prayers. Whatsoever. <laughs> it's a wash rag between your teeth. That's the anesthesia. Mm-hmm. I am just... It, <laughs> I'm I'm so sick of the absolute horrendous barbaric acts that vaginas and uterus have to go through with 
no comfort. I mean, even look at tools used by gynecologists over the ages and (sighs) how just awful and terrifying most of them look. And even to this day, some I see and I'm just like, that is absolutely horrendous. I just, the idea that they're starting to use topical numbing creams in Mm -hmm. some instances and there are options like we've discussed before you can ask for a smaller speculum yeah there are smaller iud's compared to others that are specifically for individuals who might have you know a harder time with that kind of um stretching yeah yeah so it's but all of that is within the last 10 years Yeah, and even the types of IUDs that are available, right? The Mm -hmm. one with the copper, one without. I mean, even, good gosh, not just the IUD insertion, but, and the speculum insertion for just regular exams. But Mm -hmm. if you, and I don't remember the formal name for us, but if you get a biopsy of the tissue in the cervix. Yes. That also, no, and they... They clip away, <laughs> and you feel it, goddammit. <laughs> yeah. And it I is sh- not nice. <laughs> I I know of a couple people who have had that done, even recently. You included. Yes, and, ma'am. <laughs> uh, for those of you who, who think that sounds like a familiar word, yeah, a biopsy is when they cut out a piece of the object that they're going to examine. Mm-hmm. They take a knife into your uterus. And cut out pieces to look at under a magnifying glass. Anytime I've ever had a knife come near me for any medical reason, I've been out cold. Mm-hmm. I have been fully put under. And there is, on av- like, a normal standard practice of that for a uterus is nothing. The pain that women are expected to endure is... It's just absurd to me how pain scales for women are treated so much differently than they are for men. I mean, for men, they stop stub their toe and the whole world has to stop. It feels like they're dying. You know, everyone just please shut up. Well, I mean, I'm, stupid. I know of stories that I've read online about other EMS individuals, EMT individuals, mm-hmm. that when they're in their classes learning about pain scales, they're told... If a woman tells you a number, add two. Mm -hmm. Because we are programmed societally to say it's not that bad. It's not that bad. I'm fine. I'll be fine. Mm -hmm. So if I say, no, my pain's at a three, it's probably at a five for everyone else. And I, when I read that, I just went, holy shit. (laughs) It's just nuts. It's There's not much to say other than it's absolutely crazy and women should be taken more seriously. Even so many studies for heart attacks, things like that, medications were tested on men only, not women. So the symptoms, let's say, of a heart attack are so different in women as opposed to men. And it it should not be the springboard for everyone else. It's not the default. <laughs> Well, I think there was studies released just two or three years ago about how heart attacks portray differently in women. We have different Yes, exactly. Exactly. So it's like, if we don't have the same plumbing treated accordingly (laughs) and take women seriously when they come to you with certain 
characteristics that they're telling you about. And yeah. you know what I'm also sick of? Medical oh. professionals, either in training or actively in the field. I mean, you read about these horror stories, how like, let's say in nursing class, this was one gem that I was reading about how a male nursing student had, they were talking about catheter insertion. Okay. And how a male nursing student had said, well, men feel pain, but then a woman feel pleasure from this. Say again, it's that piece where they think the urethra and the vagina are the same thing. What the fuck? Recent this kid's license, whoever this person is. <laughs> it's like in high school, there was someone that asked about tampons. And they're like, so do any of you just like sit in the bathroom and put one in and take it out and put one in and take like what acting the as if fuck? it's a dildo. <laughs> Motherfucker, it is made of cotton. Do you want to shove cotton up your asshole, dry cotton up your dry asshole, and then tear it back out and then shove it up again? <laughs> My guy, I, no. Yeah, maybe they should. <laughs> so when you ask stupid questions, you get stupid prizes. <laughs> what? What is this? Like, <laughs> you know what? Can I tell you another story apropos yeah. this? I was talking to my tattoo artist, and he was telling me how he would go, like, you know, on a rideshare service, whatever, and, you know, you get into small talk, like, oh, what do you do, blah, blah, blah. Uh-huh. And, and this was only the case with, like, male Uber drivers and whatever. When he told them, you know, I'm a tattoo artist, and their first question, and D, this is going to just knock your socks off, was... <sighs> Do women get their t- uh, vaginas tattooed? What the hell? Why would you ask even a tattoo artist that question? I know. Well, like, what in the goddamn fuck is that, like, your immediate go-to question? And he's like, that's why I don't tell people that. I tell people I'm in construction. <laughs> Listen, if you... Here's the answer to that question. The answer is yes. Because it's still skin... And you can have a tattoo anywhere. You can have a tattoo on your eyeball. And there, if there In are the people eyeball, who, yeah. right, if there are people who get their eyeballs tattooed, there are gonna be people who get their vaginas tattooed. There are also men who get fucking penises tattooed. Yeah, like, people that get their asshole tattooed. I, it, but it doesn't. That's not a question you ask. Right. If that is your immediate go-to question that you're just in your ho- home being like, <laughs> you know what? If I ever run into a tattoo artist, real talk. My first question is, do women get tattoos on their vaginas? Also, that's a quick Google search, my guy. (laughs) Yeah, start a Reddit forum, shit. (laughs) There's a subreddit for everything. Absolutely. I am certain if you went onto onto Reddit and looked for vagina tattoos, there's going to be a whole conversation with pictures because... Yeah, the grisly depths. They want to show it off. The subreddits, yeah. Right, like... Those people exist. I promise they exist. But you yeah, don't or go on Cornhub, you know, <laughs> like a normal person. <laughs> yeah, I there's actually a a video I just saw the other day going around of a a guy who's on a tattoo table, and he's mm-hmm. getting this giant piece tattooed across his ribs, like from armpit to hip, right? Oh yikes! Ouch. He's under anesthesia. Like full out in a medical room and someone's tattooing him and he went under to get the tattoo buddy if you can't handle the pain of getting that piece of beautiful art on you you don't deserve it no absolutely not and i know there may be listeners who live in countries where tattoo artists are required to have medical licenses 
Right. And yeah, and these are maybe countries where tattoos are uh, seen as a more taboo thing. So, mm. you know, but holy, whole good God. I understand that there's numbing creams and stuff. Like, I don't have any tattoos myself, but I know enough people who have them that. Yeah. Yeah. There sure. are numbing creams. Right. And there are, like, the ribs are absolutely a horrific Atrocious, place for some individuals yeah. to get tattooed. Same with the feet and the hands. I know this. But you don't get put under full anesthesia for it. No, absolutely not. And <laughs> it, like any good tattoo artist, I'm not talking about tattooers, just someone who yes. buys a tattoo gun off Amazon and is like, let's have a tattoo party. But no. tattoo artists, legit ones, will not do that. They will also not tattoo you if you're high, if you're drunk, mm-hmm. because that just leads to complications like increased bleeding, etc. Right. As, as a reputable tattoo artist will not do that. Anywho, that is that is totally something different here. <laughs> it's still important to talk about. The more you know, <laughs> still important. But this this idea that that you know for for those of us that are that have vaginas and whatever, and we've been on birth control or we haven't been on birth control, the annual Paps, not annual Paps, because they're now every what five years or whatever. Um, I think it's three years. I know when I went lately, I had just gotten one last year. So they said, Uh okay, you're good for three years. Typically for young individuals, it's every four or five. But since you're getting older, I'm like, thanks, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But uh, And sexual histories if you have a lot of partners in rotation, so to speak. Right. And I've only ever had one partner and – I remember telling all of my gynos, it's like, well, do you want to get tested for STDs? It's like, if I have an STT, you're going to have a dead body on your hands. <laughs> We're going to have bigger problems. Yeah. And that is going to be the least of my worries. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Sometimes I get a giggle. Sometimes they look at me like, is she actually going to kill someone if we give her bad news? I'm like, mm, maybe. <laughs> it's always a gamble. <laughs> I'm from the country, Susan. I you don't know what I do for a living. <laughs> <laughs> how I go, how I throw down. <laughs> Listen, I've got at least five people in my contact list that I could call and say I need help hiding something, and they'd say I know a place. <laughs> and it's not I'm the not psychiatrist's office. <laughs> 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 but <laughs> so I just I feel like that's also part of this conversation. Is you know you've got women. Like us, and especially like me from the country who will not hesitate to kill someone at, 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 you know, various points of our lives. But, and then you think you can tell us that what to do? You think you can decide our own fates? Like, you can't support the Second Amendment and then not support abortion because someone's going to die. I, I, like, the paradox is just so out of this world. You know, it's it's an argument that collapses on itself before it even gets rolling. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's ugh. the the fact that I think sticks with a lot of people. I think this whole episode's just very, I guess, politically charged, but you know, it's also real life. But the fact that gets a lot of people thinking is that corpses have more bodily autonomy than women do in our in America. Sadly, I just wish we'd talk about it. People with vaginas, a uterus, all those good things that just, 
you could talk about it. And with men too, like people who do not have the same parts, whether you have a penis or not, just talking about it and like not shaming women's bodies. Like, what are you doing out here with your boobs out feeding that kid in public? Right. I know, you know, we said at the beginning, if if this makes you uncomfortable, feel free to click off. And that, that still stands. You should learn about this in a manner that makes you comfortable. Mm-hmm. You should you should learn about this in a neutral environment, in, in a place that you are willing to accept new information because I already know it's going to be new information. <laughs> and I really do think that we should be teaching more in schools, in an educational space. Mm-hmm. And maybe this is radical. Maybe it's not. I'll, I'll judge off of your reaction to this. But I don't think you should be separating the boys from the girls. Fully agree. 100%. Okay. Because you need to know how everything works. Yes. Okay. And you need to know because then you take the taboo out of it. Then you take the ick out of it. Then you take the, oh, she said period. She said vagina. Or he said penis. Like, it's not a joke anymore. It's a body part. You've desensitized it. Yeah. Yeah. And you can have honest conversations about it. Imagine that. Wow. Radical thought. No discomfort in my discussion? It's more likely than you think. <laughs> but yeah, I want to I wanna see more stories about kids in, in high school carrying pads or tampons for their female friends. Mm-hmm. And not, like, not have that be weird. Everyone, I feel like, should have a tampon in their bag. A- at least one, you know? And even if you have no female friends, they're great for bloody noses. As Amanda Bynes so beautifully showed. (laughs) Everyone should have a tampon in their purse, okay? Or not purse, but in their bag. (laughs) Not everyone has purses. Everyone has some kind of bag. Yeah, tampon and or pad. You you can pick both sides. How about that? Also, everyone should have ibuprofen. But that's just me. (laughs) No. Oh, oh my gosh. Like, the amount of times, especially if you're someone with a chronic health condition like endo, you Uh never know when it's going to hit. Oh, God, man. And when it rains, it pours. Oh, yes. Absolutely. Which Almost is why pe- I will keep you posted on whether or not I stay off the pill. <laughs> Listen, real talk. Um, even with a period, one time I almost passed out in the local aquarium Whew. in my home state. Um, <laughs> Almost passed out in the Komodo dragon exhibit. Oh, my God. Because you got to be the queen of something. Because oh periods God. plus heat plus pain equals not good stuff. <laughs> heat plus anything. Yeah, no, that's that's just the tipping point of almost any illness. But I think I think this is a good a good place to wrap up, I think. I mean, we've yes. kind of covered a very very broad range here, and it's not just been about strict periods and about what I'm experiencing and all that fun stuff, which we thought would be, you know, the original topic, but as depth, all of you know, <laughs> the depth and breadth of the mind of an office goblin about women's issues <laughs> and about anything really <laughs> the, the six degrees <laughs> so yeah i mean here's to hoping it didn't get super preachy and here's to hoping we didn't make anyone click off halfway through and think oh my god these bitches again but <laughs> listen not preaching just spitting straight facts and things hard that facts. need to be said hard facts hard hitting and just hot <laughs> and also as we continuously point out we have listeners everywhere and we love each and every one of you and so just know this is coming from a very americanized perspective 
and this mm-hmm. is what we deal with every goddamn day. And, you know, I know, I'm sure there are places that are worse. I'm mm-hmm. sure of it because you know about it. But this isn't a comparison of pains. It's just the experience. Yes. And find us in our Tumblr or through our emails. Send us a message. Tell us about your experience. We always love to hear about it. Yeah. Flood us. We we will respond. <laughs> yes. Like uh, the elevators in The Shining. <laughs> if you know, you know. <laughs> With that, goodbye, everyone. <laughs> Stealing my thunder. I know. No, go for it. Go for it. <laughs> well, with that being said, thank you, everyone, for listening. If you have enjoyed it thus far, leave a like, a rating, subscribe, bookmark, shout us out into the universe, and send us to your friends. Tell them that we are awesome and worth listening to. We greatly appreciate all that you do for us. And until next week, stay alive, friends. Take care, everyone.